What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What is going on? It's Johnny King with another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. And I'm stoked to have uh, our next guest coming all the way from Mexico, Elise Michaels. Uh, she is a men's mental health coach, uh, really helping guys find their purpose and passion just by healing their subconscious trauma, which is very uh, relevant to me in the conversation that we obviously have in the podcast and things that I've talked about because. I feel like until guys can get out of their own way, there's not a whole lot they should be uh, focusing on. So Elise, thank you for being on. I'm so excited to to jump into this conversation. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. <clears throat> I've been watching some of your content. Uh, gosh, I don't know for how long, but uh, some of your stuff is hilarious. Some of your stuff is like, well, thank you. <laughs> it hits you between the eyes. You know, it's like you, you definitely um, say it straight, which I think a lot of guys just need to hear. They don't need to... <laughs> Here it's sugar-coated. They need to, to take it between the eyes. So uh, let me ask you first and foremost, as we were kind of talking offline before we started recording, I feel like um, a lot of the guys that reach out to me for coaching, uh, I've certainly have noticed the pattern is that they're like, they're struggling in their marriage, in their relationship with their partner, their significant other. Um, and yet when I get together with friends or with other guys, it's oftentimes the last thing they want to talk about or admit to that they're struggling in their relationship. So what are some of the patterns besides just that overarching, like, okay, well, I'm struggling in my relationship. Is it, what are they struggling with the most? Is it communication? Is it lack of physical intimacy, emotional intimacy? Are they lost like in their purpose? And then it's overflowing into their relationship with their significant other. What are you finding are some of the common patterns that you're seeing in the work that you do? Yeah. So these are really good questions. It's never usually one thing. It's always one thing leading to another thing, leading to another thing. Yeah. But what I see men tend to come to me the most with what they notice first is always physical intimacy, like lack thereof. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of men's love languages are physical. Um, and they've been trained not to be emotionally intuitive, right? So ignoring any emotional signals, emotional cues about how they might feel about the relationship. And so the only kind of target that they look at is when the physical intimacy dies. But usually mm -hmm. once you unwind that, there's so much underneath as to why that is and why it's happened. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. Uh, I know for some of the guys that I talked to, I know for myself included, speaking from experiences that having kind of been raised um, without like a very clear father figure or male mentor that kept me. when I was married, it was like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm totally winging it. I, the imposter syndrome. I'm like, I I'm pretty sure she knows that I'm winging it. I can tell she's unhappy. I'm unhappy because I'm living kind of like this facade. Um, is it, you know, men who grew up in fatherless homes? Is it uh, 
what is it that you've noticed? Like you said, it's, I'm sure it's multiple things, but. Right. I don't think you can pinpoint like all one for search for yeah. sure a certain thing, because there's always the exceptions to the rules. Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed that people who don't have good relationships to mirror, to look at, obviously you kind of bring that subconsciously into the relationships that you have. So if you don't have a father figure who represents kind of how do I be a man or how do I be a husband or how do I be a father? And if you don't even have a, you know, a present mother figure, and that doesn't even mean that they're like gone from your life entirely, but they could be emotionally absent or they could be emotionally absent from themselves and their relationship with your mom. So it's like you grow up in a household where your parents are still married, but they're not intimate. They don't talk to each other. The dad goes to work, mom's cooking, doing whatever. They have no conversation. So you grow up with this relationship that you're looking at like, this is what it's supposed to be. But when you get into relationship yourself, intuitively, you know that that's not right, uh, but you don't know how to do it any other way. And how do you, as a man, approach how you feel about this? How do you talk to your partner about it? Because you've never seen it done. So you get self-conscious and you're like, I feel like I'm winging it. I don't know what I'm doing. And that self-consciousness builds into self-destructive behaviors um, that ultimately defeat us. Yeah. Well, I, I often use the analogy of like, it's old school, but and probably still as relevant today as it used to be, but like men not stopping and asking for directions because it's something wired in us and, and probably in many women too. It's not even just men and women, but maybe more the masculine or the feminine. But for me being more heavily in the masculine, it's like, I, I want to be able to, pro to provide, even if it's like, I got you, you can rely on me. I know where I'm going. And it's hard for guys oftentimes to admit that they don't know where they're going. Right. And so that's why I'm saying like, they don't, they don't always admit, like, I really don't know where I'm going in this relationship. I don't know how to lead. Uh, I have no clear idea of where I'm taking this family unit, you know? Um, and I think that really wreaks havoc long-term obviously. Um, and brings guys towards call it substance abuse or yeah. I mean, we were talking about again, before we started recording porn, gambling, um, affairs, just being even a workaholic, you know, gaming, right. like there's something that's usually that where really... men go is they go into the workaholism and alcoholism. It's an yeah. easy, easy route. And then they come um, to coaches or therapists. Like I've got a, I've got a working problem. I need to find balance or I've got an alcohol problem. What we don't acknowledge is the fact that those things are symptoms. They're actually the solutions that we found to the problem, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. An alcoholic's problem is not the alcohol. That was his solution. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem was like the loneliness, the depression, the childhood trauma, all the things that you're trying to cover up with the video games, the porn, the, this thing that takes you out of your life for a second. Yeah. Right. And I loved your analogy of like men never stop and ask for directions, but also because you want to provide, you want to do something, you want to be a contributor, but you cannot pour from an empty cup. Like right. the best way to be a provider is to provide for yourself first. Well, it's funny that you use that analogy too, because I felt like in previous relationships when I was really deeply searching, um, I wasn't even searching at that point. I just knew that I was failing and I felt like she was needing me to pour into her. And I was like, I got nothing. How can I pour from an empty vessel? I got nothing for myself and I definitely don't have anything for you, you know? And I, but I was kind of looking to her to pour into me and we just had two kind of empty souls <laughs> looking for the other person to save the other person. Right. Um, so along the lines though, of, of pornography in particular, why do you feel like besides the obvious, why do you feel like guys are attracted to porn? Why is there such 
uh, why is it such an addictive uh, coping mechanism? I don't, I'm not a scientist or a doctor or anything like that. So I can't be quoted when it comes to <laughs> yeah. any type of opinion that I technically notes. give here. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. want anyone to come after me. Like, you don't know, you haven't done the research. Okay, great. I haven't, this is just my opinion. Yeah. Um, I don't think that any one thing is necessarily more or so much more addictive than another thing. I think where you're at at a certain point in time in your life and what you're drawn to is kind of to any particular individual and what they, what they're drawn to. Right. But porn in itself, like as a society, we do not talk about sex. We call it the birds and the bees. And the most your parents will usually do for you is like, give you a pack of condoms and be like, be safe out there, pal, yeah. you know? And especially Go for men, like we don't have in-depth sexual conversations with our children. It's awkward. It's weird. We don't want to do it. We feel like it's inappropriate. Maybe we don't know how we weren't taught. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of like everyone's kind of this hush hush thing that we know you have sex, just be safe about it. But people don't have any information about how to do it. You know, what's right, what's wrong, what exactly is safe. So where do you go? You go to where it's like so abundant. Porn is abundant with people having sex in all these different ways. Men with men, women with women, women with two men. Like you see all this variety and stuff that's not talked about. There's also a little rebellion built in there. If you grow up religious, all of that's off limits um, because porn is like seen as shameful. It, there's also some rebellion in that, like, oh, For I'm sure. watching this. I shouldn't be doing it. <clears throat> you know, and when you're growing up, all these hormones and stuff like you want a way to you're confused, dude. Like you don't have any answers. Where do you go? That's like the dictionary for sex. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not mm-hmm. a smart it's, it's not a smart dictionary. You don't you're not getting any proper information. But where else are you going to go? So right. it can become a comfort mechanism if it becomes part of your routine, mm-hmm. right? And if you're mm-hmm. a man who's like always getting erections when you're young, you got to take care of it. Like you, you have a routine then. And it's not mm-hmm. the porn necessarily that's addictive. It's the routine that's addictive because you get a reward, right? You get to come. So right. it's, it's like, we have to kind of reverse engineer how these things are built and, and not necessarily look at like the thing itself, because I think I think it prohibits us from actually getting rid of the behaviors itself, right? Like you're just going to switch to something else. You're going to be yeah. like, porn is the devil. And then you're just going to go to the alcohol or something, you know? Yeah. You need yeah. to actually solve like the routine and, and thing that you're running away from. Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of like reverse engineering. And I think about it in terms of <clears throat> what, what emotional needs are they looking to, to get their fix on, right? And what are they lacking that they're looking for? But I think as you said earlier, uh, and I, I can attest to this too. I just, I didn't grow up even with the emotional intelligence or the awareness to be able to have a conversation about what I was feeling. I didn't even know how to verbalize, articulate emotions inside me, you know, or feelings, sensations in the body for that matter. So when, when that is so challenging to connect, even with ourselves, how are we going to even connect with someone else? Right. That porn, I think offers uh, like you said, a way to get off without any sort of emotional connection. And so if guys run out of, you know, having any, well, I should say if they're in a relationship with someone, if they're lucky enough to be in a relationship with someone, they're not fulfilling those needs. Of course, that's, that connection is going to dry up. And then it's just easy for them to go back to their kind of, uh, routine. Like you said, they're kind of like neural pathway that just gets the job done. Right. 
but it's yeah. sad. It's lonely. It's well, but how do you know what you don't know? Right. Because if you're growing right. up, you don't know how to connect with your needs. How do you even know that there are emotions or needs to be connected with? And that is yeah. also a huge problem. Yeah. And I don't even think it's just men that are, well, men are taught this to shove this down, but if you have emotionally disconnected parents, male or female, and I'm only saying this because that was my experience. I wasn't, I was just only a happy kid, but in part because I wasn't allowed really to be anything but just okay. Like I mm. had to just be okay. So I didn't even connect with how I truly felt. So I was like 25, mm. right? So mm. if you're emotionally and, and actually now I'm just realizing this now, um, emotional sex for me didn't happen to like maybe 27 yeah. because I didn't understand I was compartmentalizing. I didn't think emotion and sex connected. And it felt like a power play for me, actually, as a woman. Like, oh, because my assumptions were men just want sex. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, you know, like if I just see it as, as sex and not get connected, like I didn't understand how people could get so attached during sex. It was like so confusing to me. Right, right. And it protects you. There's less uh, heartache if you're not emotionally involved, right? But it's so um, disconnected. Right. Oh, like it's not yeah. satisfying at all. It's just a chore. It's transactional. Yeah. It's yeah. really weird. I'm so it's interesting how I just like realized this now as we're talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good. I'm glad that we, <clears throat> I mean, I think that's the fun part of these type of conversations because it's like, Oh yeah. Like that's why. And, and I know for a lot of guys that I've talked to, it's like, um, you know, because they didn't have a whole lot of education, you know, conversation, um, porn, masturbation, all that stuff is like things that like, again, gets hardwired into their system. Right. And then I talk to, you know, guys and, and that sort of thing. And they, they find themselves not being able to even get off with their partner. So then they have to incorporate porn just to be turned on, which of course that's uh, probably the worst turn off that could be for, for the partner. You know, and my heart goes, my heart breaks for, for both of them. Um, or anyone in that type of situation when you're like, damn, like you got to go back to your drug, um, to kind of get your fix, even in those intimate moments, you know what I mean? But I think you're right. It, it does come back from, and why I want to have these conversations and why I think the, the podcast and the work that you're doing is obviously so important too. It's like, we have to teach men that, you know, uh, having emotional conversations, having emotional intelligence and awareness is normal. It doesn't make you any weaker. It doesn't make you metrosexual. It's like you can be a regular dude with emotions and be able to then teach future generations um, <laughs> better, better strategies and approaches. Otherwise, we're going to keep just passing the torch or kicking the can down the road, so to speak. Absolutely. Well, and that's the main reason of why I do what I do so that children of the future don't have to suffer needlessly. Yeah. Because like I said, we... We can't see our own blind spots. So we're just yeah. subconsciously passing on these behaviors and beliefs that actually don't serve us and that actually hurt us. And we just didn't realize it. And when it comes to intimacy where you're like, you know, you need to kind of get off because this is like the pattern that you've created, like connecting with yourself and your emotions makes you a more wholesome man. Like mm. there's no such thing as just either masculine or feminine, male or female. Like we have to have both. It's like the yin and yang sign. Totally. You just have to be balanced in it. So a lot of men will try to choke out any feminine that they think they have and they cut, they, they limit their masculine at that point. Mm. Um, and they can't connect with themselves and then they can't connect with their partner. And this is something I also realized as we were talking, 
if you are emotionally disconnected, you're going to attract emotionally disconnected partners. Mm -hmm. Right. Amen. And so a reason why you might not be able to get off or get hard is because like part of you is missing from that, which means part of them might be missing from that. Like there's disconnection everywhere. Right. And understanding also that your female partner might feel shame or trauma or whatever during that experience. And they're not able to talk. So like you being connected with yourself, you can sense that more and open up the door to have a more connecting experience. When you're working with guys though, how are you helping them? Especially if they're quote unquote, nice guys, people pleasers, yes, men, all the various things I could throw out there. How are you helping guys reconnect with a genuine sense of masculinity? If they kind of feel like maybe their feminine attributes are overdeveloped and they're just really sweet, but they're kind of like passive. It's not like the, the strong feminine that I see, but more of like a, a weak uh, shadow feminine that they're kind of stepping into. How are you, if this is even relevant to, to things that you maybe talk about or coach, like, do you help men embody a little bit more of a, a genuine masculine embodiment or how they show up in the world? If that makes sense. When men come to me, I do not discuss with them masculine feminine polarity because i see it as unimportant okay. because you can't come into like a trauma-informed container trying to navigate all of that and then be like mm, am i true. too masculine or am i too feminine and i think it's kind of like irrelevant because there's no actual definition of masculine feminine besides what we have in society is like we see as like oh they wear makeup or oh they chop wood like and that's so it's so irrelevant to the energy. And, and as soon as like, you know, I just see it as like, we're muddling too many things up if you're just getting started. So if someone comes to me and I see them as like a quote unquote, nice guy, um, it's all about just refocusing on self. Like you just need to find yourself because if you're a nice guy, chances are you're wearing a mask. You're just mm -hmm. trying to please others. You don't mm -hmm. know who the fuck you are. You're just mm -hmm. trying to like, it's a subconscious manipulation to get people to like you. Right. And we need to kind of eliminate the attachment of needing people to like us and start to like ourselves again. Well, isn't that it? Yeah. It's like they're deeply insecure. Um, and, and because of that, then they're looking for that validation outside of themselves. And, and as you're saying that it, it made me like a, a flash and kind of driving analogy would be like, if you're coaching me how to drive my car, right. And I'm driving that a high, like a, a high performance, you know, driving. And then you're like, Hey, take a look at all these, you know, <laughs> buttons or, you know, you can mess around with it. I'd be like, no, I'm trying to drive and you're taking my focus away. And so I think that makes sense. Like to focus on all the polarities of masculine and feminine and various other things. It's like, yeah, it probably is just a distraction from the main conversation, which is like coming back to self. And do you, do you have any tools that you would recommend or that you typically talk about, whether it be some mindfulness practice? Is it, um, what is it? Like what, Anything that you give guys like practically that they can actually quote unquote do in their day-to-day -day lives to help them start to heal from that trauma. Yeah. So I try to make it as just simple as possible, right? Like yeah. what you see is what you get. Um, like, so the buttons aren't distracting, right? So I yeah. tell them after the first session usually is I go, okay, what does your self-care routine look like? Usually it's nothing. So <laughs> I say 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning just for yourself before anyone else wakes up before you got to yeah. take care of the dog before you got to like don't answer work emails and i want you to do something that makes you feel calm collected focused right not distracted not like all crazy and chaotic mm -hmm, i want you mm -hmm. to understand how to regulate your nervous system set yourself as a priority at the beginning of the day 
and be able to focus. So I give them a list of things that they can do. And I let them gravitate towards what they feel like they want to do because everybody is different. Right. Um, but the list that I give them is usually something like go for a walk without headphones, Mm. um, journal, and I'll give them journaling questions. Um, usually anyway, just to kind of get more in depth into themselves, they can meditate, they can do, um, breath work. Um, but I usually try to get them to avoid things like not necessarily avoid, but like just for the first part of my coaching, I want them to be doing something that's calming and not elevating. So I don't want them necessarily to be, um, working out, uh, as this activity because Mm -hmm. it's like another distraction, right. Or listening to a podcast or watching TV, like those are just different forms of distraction. And I want to have them do exercises that make them dive deeper inside. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's spot on. Um, I was going to say, as you were saying that too, kind of when you talk about the the nervous system, like if you had started talking to me 12, 13, 14 years ago, when I just started kind of noticing things were really off and it was coming to the surface of my like awareness. But before that, like subconsciously, I just, I didn't even know that my nervous system was yeah. dysregulated. Like how do you, how are you going about kind of explaining to to a, a guy that maybe is new to even listening to this? Like, wait, what does this mean? And what is my nervous system? And what, like, what does that even look like? How would you go about kind of exp- defining uh, what an irregular, yeah, like a nervous system that's out of control. Dysregulated nervous system. Yeah, dis- thank you. And And what would be a regulated nervous system at the end of the day? Yes, I love that you brought this up because I explain it in every session. Um, and the way I explain it is like in these terms, and I heard this from my trauma therapy course, we use Hulk versus Bruce Banner. Usually everybody mm-hmm. knows who Hulk versus Bruce Banner is, right? Mm-hmm. Hulk is like, so if anybody who's just listening to this, I'm putting my hands, um, like, what is this called? Horizontally one mm-hmm. on top of the other, right? And there's a space mm-hmm. in between. So Hulk is at the top, right? Hulk only knows how to do one thing. Hulk smash. He's angry. Yeah. He's violent. There's no thought process. There's no logic going in there. And then Bruce Banner, he's at the bottom. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. He can think about things. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, we should be in Bruce Banner because there's no imminent threat to our lives, right? But then we've got work stress. We've got kids. We've got bills to pay. So most of us hover just a little bit above Bruce Banner, and that becomes our new normal, right? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit stressed during the day. And the smaller this window gets between Hulk and Bruce Banner, the easier it is to get into Hulk. And when you're in Hulk, you're full on fight or flight. A chemical flood has happened in your body where adrenaline comes out, um, cortisol comes out, and you are sensitive for the next 24 to 48 hours. And this is how couples can get in these fights where they just can't seem to get out of it because suddenly when you're in Hulk mode, everything pisses you off. It's the smallest, like someone didn't put their socks in the hamper and you're just like freaking out all over again, right? And so if you're triggered constantly, Um, And this is not even saying, like you said, it's not even saying that, oh, I get super angry or I'm flipping tables. But if I feel on edge all the time, if I constantly need to be doing something, if I constantly need to be going, if I can't sit in the quiet, chances are your body is dysregulated. You're waking up in the middle of the night. This is what I got from a lot of clients. Like I can't, I can't get a full night's sleep. I wake up kind of in the middle of the night. Um, I stay up late. I get up early. I can't focus on anything. I feel like yeah. I have ADHD. They always come to me. I feel like I have ADHD. I can't think about anything. I'm like, dude, you just need to chill. Like you can't focus on anything because your body is literally just in fight or flight. And that's because your prefrontal cortex 
and probably I'm probably getting too sciencey on this right no, now. No, this but is good. Go for it. <laughs> your prefrontal cortex, the front part of your brain, when you are in Hulk mode, is not operating efficiently. That is what is necessary for executive function, for making logical decisions, for memory. So a lot of if you're experiencing like memory loss, fatigue, you're you're just drained. You can't think creatively. You're just kind of um, thinking about a problem and thinking about a problem and thinking about a problem. You can't do like you'll you'll be very busy and not doing much. <laughs> right. Right. Point blank, simple. You'll be very busy and not doing much. When you get back down to Bruce Banner, you won't be doing much, but you'll be very productive. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, long story short. <laughs> no, I love it. That again, that was like mic drop, but I, I, I do feel like uh, what you kind of explained there is, is so relevant for a lot of guys I've talked to and myself too. Like I, um, my coach last year, Christine, I was, she was really helping me. I'm like, why do I just, I'm good. And then also I get behind the the wheel of a car and I'm fucking pissed about not, I'm like, what is this? And she kind of really, it was uh, an eye opening. And I'm like, Oh geez, like I'm at the age that I am now. And I'm realizing that a lot of it is this, uh, you know, recovering nice guy behavior that I suppress all my needs you know, mm -hmm. because I'm following my validation and, and making everyone else happy, but because no one really asks me about mine, nor do I go out and really at, tell people because really no one's responsibility, but mine to ask for my needs, I get pissed off, but I don't, I never actually let that out. I never go Hulk either. Cause I wasn't taught, I wasn't raised to, to be that way. So I keep all that energy inside and the amount of, uh, emotional effort, physical effort that it takes to, to suppress and repress yes. all that it doesn't aggression. go away yeah like i it doesn't go away just because like, you shove it down yeah like that's that's why i just became either hulk or it wasn't even like uh what's the other one what's his name what's bruce hulk banner. or bruce banner thank you i was thinking roger banner um it's like either the hulk or i was apathetic like numb i was not i was just like i just didn't give a shit because i just was so exhausted Right. And I didn't yeah. realize that it, like I needed to get that shit out, nor did I realize or understand how to get it out in a safe way without actually breaking shit, because that's mm. not going to do me any good either. Right. Well, I'm so. glad that you said that because I think, uh, and I've worked with a lot of men also who can only resonate with anger as an emotion that they feel yeah. because they haven't been taught to resonate with any of the other emotions. The thing is <laughs> right. you are, you are experiencing a range of emotions that you just can't identify. So right. you put it all towards anger. But right. then you're afraid of the anger because you're like, I might fucking kill someone because, yeah. you know, you have like this natural like energy in you to like be able to do that. And so then you suppress the anger. Right. But eventually it's always going to come out in some way, somehow, because emotions are energy in motion. Mm -hmm. So also, you know, just making it aware to any men who are experiencing this, you don't have to be afraid of the anger. You just have to find a way to release safely. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's important for men to know, like, and maybe I'll get some lashback for this. I think it's important for men to know that they uh, can be monsters in some scenarios, right? Like if you need to go smash a tire with a baseball club or something, like just yeah. go do it. It might make you feel better, but like, yeah. don't try to suppress that energy inside of you. Do something that is productive or creative or, you know, cathartic to get it out. Mm -hmm. And then learn how to understand the other emotions that might be built into that. Because underneath usually deep rage is deep-seated pain. Mm. Ain't that the truth? Pain, shame, loneliness, sadness. Yeah. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's, uh, that's really, really good. So going back, kind of like connecting the dots too. So it's like not doing something like what I would normally do, which would be go hit the gym and lift or go lift some heavy things would be going back to, like you said, just going for a walk without AirPods in my ears, you know, uh, without any distractions, even just going and sitting and doing some breath work, some light breath work. Um, and they're just really kind of connecting with oneself. Correct. That's kind of what you can, that's what you're suggesting guys do kind of in their first moments of the day. Right. Well, and a lot of people don't like this because then thoughts start to come up. Yeah. And the goal is I want you to observe the thoughts that come up because that is where the golden nugget lies. Right. A lot of people will like really, really resist this step because they don't want to think about the thoughts in the first place. That's why usually they're coming to me. They want a checklist. They want to get over it, but they don't want to acknowledge the pain. Mm. They want to avoid it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why we want the checklist. We want to get rid of this. You, you cannot get rid of what's a part of you. You Mm -hmm. have to like walk through it. So if you can acknowledge like the thoughts that are coming up, we can actually get to the root cause of why it's there. And then we can eliminate that and move on to the next step. And you can still go to the gym during the day, get the energy out, but I don't want that to be the first thing because then you're not diving into, you know, giving yourself that space. Right. And I, I personally, again, I'm speaking from experience. I I've done that for decades, go to the gym and, and, and wasn't necessarily moving. Like there's still something trapped inside. And I think what's, what's uh, worth noting too, is that there's a lot of different forms of trauma. You know, some of them are massive and obvious. Uh, but then when I look at my life compared to someone, maybe that's been beaten or sexually abused, I'm like, Oh, I grew up pretty well, but I would oftentimes, um, minimize the, the, just the trauma of not feeling necessarily safe and seen growing up that I could be kind of similar to you. Like I couldn't be my full emotional self because mom and dad were always like, like on thin on ice for their own emotional well being. That I didn't want to add to it. And that started the kind of like the nice guy, like, oh, I got to make mom happy. Otherwise shit's going to hit the fan. Right. And so me realizing that like, no, it wasn't like this crazy traumatic event that I can remember. It just was subtle over years of experience just growing up. Right. So <clears throat> would you say that's accurate? That's my opinion. But like I said, I'm not a researcher or a scientist either, but in your specifically focusing with men, with their subconscious trauma, I imagine you come you come across a wide array of trauma from, like I said, the the heavy shit that's obvious and the not so obvious stuff, right? Absolutely, and like you said, a lot of us are not necessarily in denial, but we kind of gaslight ourselves about our experience because we acknowledge that there is great suffering in the world, and mm-hmm. you know we want to give credit to the people who are really suffering, but we also just need to acknowledge that trauma is not based upon an event. It's based upon a psychological impact of said event. So whether you think you've been quote unquote traumatized or not, it doesn't really matter about that. Your body is not going to differentiate between your thoughts about what you went through or not. Your body only understands if it felt safe in the moment or not. Right. And like you said, sometimes it's just a parent being an emotionally absent and that's not blaming our parents. No human is perfect. But if you want to feel better, the best you possibly can as a human, go back to the template. Your brain is like a sponge when you're younger, soaking up all the information. How do I gain love? How do I gain affection, validation, attention, success? 
What do relationships look like? What does a mom and dad look like? How am I supposed to be when I grow up? And you are absorbing all that information based upon how your parents act and show you. It's not about what Mm -hmm. they tell you. It's about what they show you, the energy that they're emitting, the way they talk about themselves, the way they talk about other people and each other, to each Mm -hmm. other, to you. Mm -hmm. So to simply cast aside your entire childhood experience because you're like, oh, it wasn't traumatic. Is it so irrelevant, right? Like, I just want to squash that notion um, altogether. It's, It's not about whether it was traumatic or not. It's about you know, looking at the patterns that just may no longer benefit you anymore. And let's just unpack that. And let's just rewire some neural pathways so that you can get back on track. Mm. Yes. And I'm wondering, it's a little blunt. (laughs) No, no, I think it's, uh, it's, it's no, I like the bluntness. I think it's just one of those things where you're right. I mean, guys, obviously, and I think you, you take the right approach in terms of being blunt, just saying it like it is not sugarcoating it. Um, and keeping things as simple as possible, because I think it can be very overwhelming for guys yeah. who start to get into this space and be like, oh, shit, like there's so much to unpack. Here. And I think that's part of the fear of like, I don't, you know, like. It's like, I, I don't know where I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. And then I'm going to open up this can of worms, you know, like when I'm already feeling like they don't realize that, like, you have to go through the shit to get to the other side of healing. Right. And then from there, can you find your passion and your purpose? Right. Right. Um, So much of us want lemonade, but we don't want the lemons. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know, and, and a lot of guys actually come to me and and tell me that, like, I don't know where to start. And I'm like, well, it's not your job to know where to start. That's my job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So let's just start where you're at. How Mm -hmm. do you feel about the situation you're in now? Like, what do you want to change? And when I do coaching, it's not like we don't go over all your childhood trauma. We only go over like what's necessary to help you reprogram what you're unhappy with. Right. Because I think a lot of people are afraid to start therapy or coaching because they feel like, oh my God, they're going to make me dig up all these painful moments in my life. They're going to make me talk about my childhood. And some people do do that, but I've actually learned in trauma therapy that that's not helpful and it can actually just re-traumatize you. So I try to avoid that actually as much as possible because it really... And it's not to discredit anyone's experience, but it really doesn't matter. Like what matters is how you're functioning with what you have now and how we can move forward and do things differently. So you have to unpack something you've forgotten about. It's crazy. Yeah. Which, which makes us, or have you relive it, you know, which is kind of like the reason why they're doing everything they can to avoid it. Right. Um, Oh, I just kind of lost my other question. Um, Well, just adding on to that. I would yeah. say if you're living a life where you're trying to avoid reliving it, you are reliving it every day because you're living yeah. a life that's like essentially built out of that, that mm-hmm. past. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and you feel like that, like just notice where your habits are, man, like, what are you avoiding? Cause most of our habits are built out of avoiding pain. We always are trying to avoid pain and, and we're never running towards pleasure. Right. So we kind of stay in this just safe world. Where everything's right. okay, but nothing's really that great. And that's just the worst place you can be in life. <laughs> it's, right. it's where men go to die in right. the comfort zone. Right. Yeah, isn't that the truth? And I, and I do feel like that's a common thread as well, where guys feel like on paper, life looks pretty good. You know, it's all right. But they're, they're missing that purpose and that passion, right? Uh, and so how do you feel like, like what, what is actually going on where, where – how's the trauma stunting men from their purpose and their passion? Cause I know a lot of guys, some who are extremely successful 
quote unquote, financially. And from, from the outside in people are like, Oh man, that guy must be, you know, living his dream life. And then when I work with them, they're, they're some of the most unhealth, unhealthy and unhappy men on the planet. So how is trauma actually stunting a man's ability to maybe he has passion for what he's doing, playing the game, like you said, or being a workaholic or making money or, you know, finding significance, but he's really not finding that, that deep level of fulfillment. So I don't actually think it's the trauma that's preventing them because men can be, like you said, very, very successful with enduring a lot of trauma. And it actually mm-hmm. happens a lot where like the underdog story, right? Like shit childhood. I grew up and I became really successful. The thing that they're stunted at is the ability to, to emotionally connect with people. And that's like mm-hmm. a societal stigma that's placed on men just in general, mm-hmm. that they don't feel like they can show that side of themselves. So who are they building a connection with? So they get to the top and they've achieved all these goals that they subconsciously feel like is going to get them that love and validation that they've seen society praise men for. And when they get to the top and they realize, oh my God, this is so empty because I'm, I've been seeking this external validation my whole life. Um, then they feel like, holy crap, what was the point? Like, who am I? What am I? It's a total identity crisis because they've attached who they are to their success. Um, so I think though, that if society was more open to men actually sharing, to actually having a support system. I don't want to say it wouldn't necessarily matter, matter what trauma they've been through, but the fact that they would feel like they have a safe space to go to, to discuss these things would help them be able to connect more. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that correlates with how many quote unquote, super successful men we would have, but I think it just depends on what you define also as success. Right. And I think the yeah. tables are really just changing constantly about definitions of, of a lot of things that we have now. That's true. I think that's very, very true. And I also feel like um, men can say or or necessarily feel like they're quote unquote successful, but then realize that they're really struggling at home. Like I said, coming back back around full circle to those relationships and feel like I'm so lost and I'm failing my spouse or my significant other. Um, And I think guys don't know really where to begin, right? As I often say, like, where where do I begin? How do I even begin to, you know, because a lot of times they, they don't reach out to me at least, and maybe you've seen this too, until they're like, like, it's almost like, uh, is that category nine of 10 of like panic? They don't reach out till it's basically over. Yeah. And then you're like, fuck dude, like should have reached out when things were at DEFCON five, not nine, you know? Um, and so they're always, I tend to be like, the, the best thing you can do is just work on you. You know, the, the worst right. thing you do is start to try to manipulate or like write her poetry and bring her flowers all the time and like try to like throw a Hail Mary to win the game, you know, in the last second. Like this just doesn't work. Um, right. Well, and it'll, I don't want to necessarily say it doesn't work. It may work for a period of time, but if you don't yeah. fix the underlying behaviors that caused the downfall in the first place, and that's not to say it's just one spouse. It's definitely two, two people make a, a dance, right? Well, that was totally not the saying, but yeah, <laughs> two <yeah>. to tango, <laughs> two people Perfect. make a dance. Nailed it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, you're just going to do the same thing over again because you'll think you'll solve the problem and you haven't. Mm-hmm. And this is something actually my therapist told me because I've struggled with this in relationships, going to my partner and talking about what needs have not been met 
and how we can make a plan to go forward and trying to approach it in a very healthy way and have it not be listened to, not be listened to, not be listened to, or empty promises made again and again and again. And only when the threat of leaving the relationship comes up, is there like a change that happens, but only for like a few days. And then it's like the same pattern again. And you don't want to say anything because you want to be nagging, but it's just like, and this is what I've seen. So like, and I'm just saying this to maybe like bring some awareness. I don't know if you've had a similar situation, but I feel like when men are approached with, you know, issues in the relationship, they immediately take it personally. Like mm. there's something wrong with me. I'm failing. Mm. And then they shut down and they don't know how to fix it and how to move forward. It doesn't matter what your, what your partner is saying or how they say it to you. If you are like in the nice guy or you're having the self self-esteem issues, or you're not involved in self-development, you'll take it personally and you shut down. And you will block emotionally even further your partner out and you'll try to fix it by doing something practical, like get the flowers or do the poetry. And she's, and I'm using a man and a woman here. She's not looking for that. She's Mm -hmm. looking for changes in behavior, like on a deeper level for you to validate her experience, for you to understand that she's not trying to complain. She's trying to connect. She's trying to find you amongst this, right? And the more you try to fix, the further you push her away. And and that was like used against me in one of my relationships where it was like, I would bring it up and they would say, can't you see I'm trying? And it wasn't, and I was like, it's, I'm not saying that you're not trying, but like, I'm still not seeing these changes. Like, this is what it is. Like, how can we make it this way? Mm-hmm. And when a plan is just built in your head and not together, it's not going to work out because you're trying to like figure out what I want without asking me. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I just keep like going on at this. You can interject at any time. No, I think it's it's I think it's so uh, poignant because I think it's I laugh when you're like I don't know if you've been through something I'm like yes I've been through this. And I think most of us actually have, you know. Well, and then Especially, the one thing I have to say about the like the last part about this, yeah, is that in this relationship too, it's like it would always be like, oh, this is why would you get upset if if I just did this this one time. But usually if someone brings something up, it's because it's a repeated behavior that yeah. has been going on. Yeah. So like no one just comes to you after a 15 year relationship and says, I want a divorce if it have, if they haven't been thinking about it for a long, long time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so chances are, they've probably come to you many times trying to fix things. And you were so disconnected from yourself, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, that you were not paying attention. You were just trying to push it off as something else that you needed to fix as if it was like you needed to clean the garage out, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. They're coming yeah. to you. They've been coming to you. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm done. No, it's good. I think it's one of those things that I feel like I do. I feel a lot of, of my my buddies do. And that sort of thing is like, we're really good at minimizing things, you know, like yeah. uh, so that I can kind of bring my gift of fixing it to it. Cause if it's overwhelming, then I get overwhelmed and I, yeah, like I, I shut down, like I can't do this. Right. But if I can minimize it to something that's palatable, I think it's good. But I think that also rears this ugly head, especially when um, I know I've been in past relationships now this long time ago where my significant other would bring it up or over and over again, but I was always kind of minimizing it in my head, you know, because it's not that big a deal. And like, why is this like, Oh, and I would like write it off to a whole bunch of different justifications or, or rationales. Until all of a sudden it was like DEFCON 9 or 10. And they're like, oh, oh, you were serious. Okay, now I'll take action. But it's too late at that point. Right. The little things that we do for our partner are big deals over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of try to explain that. I'm like, it's no different than building a muscle in the gym. It's like, it's just small reps, you know, 
or, or not even small reps, but like a multitude of reps over a, a long course of time that builds strength and same in a relationship, right? Uh, not only with someone else, but especially with, with self, like you have to do this work and you have to realize. And I think a lot of times guys get impatient. You're right. Because they, I just want to check, like, am I good? Am I healed? Can I move on now? Right. Cool. Right. I did this thing. Why, why do I not feel better? Well, yeah. Because you haven't actually done the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. checked it off the list. Yeah. So a big part of it, I think is like actually realizing that it's not a check. It's not like a, a checklist at all. It's just a journey. And it's really hard yes. for some guys to wrap their head around that. Like it's a way of being, not a, a way of doing. Yes. Well, and that tying that back around to something that I said in the beginning, beginning was I'm failing as a partner. I'm failing yeah. as a spouse. And she knows that I'm failing. And I want to ask like, who told you that you were failing because you're human, because you're making mistakes. A feeling of failure does not mean that you are a failure. Mm. And I think that's important to realize because if you're a human, it's not like you can fail at being like a spouse or a husband or whatever. If you're, if you're trying your best, right. If you're showing up to the table, like if you're trying to get fit and you go to the gym and some days you're not working out well, it's not like you're failing at being fit. Like you're just doing your best. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. doing what you can do in that day, but you're still showing up. It's when you stop showing up that you start to fail, right. Because you're not even doing it. You're not showing up. And I think that's what a lot of people do. They it's, it's like the gym comparison. It's like, they're gaining weight and they want to lose the weight, but then it takes an effort to go to the gym and it takes an effort to clean up your diet and it takes an effort to go. And if you fall out of that momentum, you stop going, you stop showing up and you just start feeding the bad habits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things too, where it's, it's, you know, for using that same analogy of working out, it's like, I have to, I realized back 13, 14 years ago, I, like I said earlier, I literally didn't have the vocabulary. I couldn't even tell, you know, I had my significant other asking me like, so what do you feel? Like really putting pressure on me, like speak, tell me. And I was like, I, 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 like, I'm like, I want, it was like, I was a toddler and I hadn't learned, you know, and then you have a temper, a temper tantrum because you're like, ah, I, I don't even know how to explain or get the words out, but I'm just going to like pound my feet and run around the, the, the house. Because I think that is something that just takes time too, in the sense that, being around either working with someone like you, uh, being around other men who are also doing the work allows you to get reps in the sense of like, so how are you feeling? Like, I'm good. Like, no, dude, how are you? I mean, like, how are you really feeling? Right. And getting into, well, you know what? I actually feel kind of depressed. Well, why do you feel depressed? Well, you know, just getting reps of like being able to emote and to expand that vocabulary of being able to articulate how you're feeling allows you then to be able to have the connection with your significant other. Oftentimes, you know, in this case, and I'm thinking like with women, like that's what they're really looking for. Men think, oh, it's just sex. That's, that's the connection I'm looking for, that deep intimacy. They don't realize that intimacy could mean just an emotional connection. Or when you fuse both or multiple multitude of uh, different types of intimacy, right, is when shit really gets good, right? So <clears throat> I think that's one of those things that I just... I'm sure you implore too. It's just like, it just takes time. This is not a sprint. It's like a marathon, a long marathon or a marathon that never ends. It's an ultra marathon. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, that's what I tell uh, some of my clients as well. It's your, your evolution is eternal. Like, because you're never going to want to stop growing. You're never going to stop discovering things about yourself. Going through like a trauma healing container 
with me is like, you learn certain tools and steps that like, okay, you can check that off the list. Like at a certain point, you know how to regulate your nervous system. You know how to identify your emotions. Like those are milestones that you can check off, but always as you meet new people, as you get new relationships, as you explore new ways to grow, you're going to discover new things about yourself. So like keeping an open mind of like the work is never done. And I'm always kind of growing is like, I think it might take pressure off of you. And also just understanding that nothing's wrong with you. Even if you want to like fix something, like you feel like you need to be fixed, but nothing is wrong with you. You're just a human trying to figure it out like everybody else. Yeah. Giving, giving ourselves and each other grace. Um, and just feeling that empathy is hugely impactful. I totally agree. Um, for guys that are obviously listening to this or watching uh, on this on uh, YouTube, I should say, they're clearly guys that are willing to invest in, and do some work, right? Um, do you have any books that you'd recommend for guys to read? Like one, two, three different books that you really like that that have made a difference and that you'd highly recommend for guys who are like investing in themselves? Yeah. Well, actually, that's funny that you say that. I have a whole like list of books in, yeah. I, can, I can send you the link, but top three um, for people starting out, I would say No More Mr. Nice Guy. Yep. I don't remember the author. I'm sure Robert, you do. <laughs> Robert, he's been on the podcast. Dr. Robert oh, he Glover. Has. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah. Dr. Robert yeah. Glover. Shout out to him. That was and a he's great down in Mexico too. He's in Puerto Is Vallarta. he really? Yeah, he lives there. Oh man. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Maybe I have to you like, should, what's you up, should hit him up. Yeah. What's <laughs> <laughs> up, Doc? Well, yeah. awesome. Um, the Four Agreements. Yep. Um, by Don Luel Ruiz. Miguel Ruiz. Ruiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, him. Yeah. And uh, The Way of the <laughs> Superior Man. Yeah. Love it. Those are kind of like all different levels. So like nowhere, Mr. Nice Guy kind of addresses immediate, like it really make, I think it connects with a lot of men um, where they're at as far as like people pleasing, things like that. Four Agreements is like a very short, straight to the, your face, blunt book about like, you know, yep. kind of combined spirituality and practicality. And then the way of the superior man, I think is like a little bit more advanced talks about uh, masculine and feminine polarity. And I think helps I think for me, when I listened to it, I was like, oh, wow, I really understood actually my own energy mm -hmm. more. And it talks about just the polarity of you don't have to be one or the other. There just has to be balance. Yep. Yep. I definitely feel like uh, the way Superior Man is definitely, it wouldn't be the first one that I would recommend just because right. I think it is a deeper dive. And, and I think David Data is like, there's some shit that I've had to reread over and over and over again, you know, which is right. so good. It's like, you can keep unpacking <laughs> it. Um, but no, my Mr. Nice Guy, 100%. And the four agreements, I literally have it on my screensaver. Oh, it's not there. Well, anyways. oh, it's not there. Yeah. I mean, it's there, but it's all my, uh, there you go. It's like on my screensaver. Oh, you there you go. Five. Wow. Oh, you have all the rules there. That's excellent. Yeah. Just to remind myself, really, really uh, good suggestions for sure. Now, what would like working with you look like for a guy who's listening to this and be like, okay, shit, I'm going to reach out to Elise. Uh, what would it look like? And then how do they actually connect with you? Yeah. So you can connect with me basically on any social media. I'm very active on all of them, but Instagram, you can obviously DM the easiest cool. uh, and interacting with my content. If you've never done anything like this before, I just created a new membership. That's like nine ninety seven a month where you can ask a question and actually get it personally answered with a video response, something a little bit more in depth as apart from my video content. Um, kind of like, you know, the typical funnel of like, until you feel like one-on-one -on -one coaching is right for you. I've got a tiered system like that for kind of any income level cool. and dedication level to where you're at. And that's $9.97, just to that, be clear. That one is $9.97. Okay, cool. No excuses. <laughs> 
don't go to McDonald's one day, you're golden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. And so just any social media connect with yeah. you there. Anything that says Elise Michaels, mm-hmm. M-I-C-H-E-A-L-S, like Mike Heels, you know, it'll yeah. look weird. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you, as always, for being on. For uh, I mean, obviously, we just kind of skimmed the the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. And we'll, I'd love to have you on again. We can just keep digging in deeper. And I was thinking about like, I don't know if uh, David data talks about it, like sexual transmutation or um, in uh, what is it? Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich. Uh, there's yeah. things that we could talk about. That's maybe on a 202 or do 303 like a super advanced level. episode. Yeah. Um, because I do just, teach men, like, you know, when they get in the more advanced level, you do t- start to talk about like the masculine feminine. And also like, I don't know if you talk about energetics at all, like just mm-hmm. working in correspondence with the universe and your natural alignment and kind of just beyond the trauma container, beyond things like that. And just like really working with the powers of your mind. Yeah. 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 It's like, I, you know, I used to own gyms and was working with people that were super overweight. And they could not even fathom what life would look like beyond the constant incessant conversation of like, should I eat that or should I not? Yeah. It's like, what, what, what's, what is the world even like beyond like physical constraints? And this is the same type of thing when you get beyond your trauma and granted trauma tends to just kind of keep sparking up, just kind of keep running you. Like there's more layers to be done there, but what is possible in terms of how you can show up in being you know, a man and being a husband or father, you know, just being a, a brother or a son, uh, I think is amazing. But a lot of times we have a hard time even seeing it. If we're, if, if the trauma is muddying our window or the glass through which we're looking at the world, you know what I mean? So I digress, but I do feel like the the work that you're doing is fucking phenomenal and, and obviously much needed in a world where men are curious they're lost in many regards. They feel attacked. They feel under pressure. You know, they feel alone. Uh, and to have a, a voice, um, and I found that a lot of my first couple of coaches were women. I just felt safer. I didn't trust men. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think that's something that could be really relevant for guys that are listening to this too. So, anyways, thank you for being on. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for the work you do as well. And, and thank you so much for opening up space for me to share on this platform. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I'm so grateful to have you. We'll have you back for sure. So guys go follow Elise. Uh, I'll go put her social media handles all in the, uh, the show notes. So you'll be able to, to click there and give her a follow, check out her content. Cause it's uh, not only informative, a lot of times it's hilarious. She does. She's, she's, an thank you for she's, that. Yeah, yeah, it's, awesome. it's so it's validating great. when people yeah. say I'm funny. Cause like, yes, yeah. You don't know it's, if you're funny or not. And then it's like, it's like such a reward to like, yeah. ah, I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. As always, we'll catch up with you on the next episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. We'll talk soon. Cheers. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, Share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email 
at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.